This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Brown's Phone Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR and writer for Cleveland.com. Coming at you guys on Thursday of Super Bowl week. It's an exciting time in uh, the NFL, obviously, as it is the biggest week in the football season. Two great teams playing in the Super Bowl. I'm excited for that matchup. Really, personally, last year, my son was born on Super Bowl Sunday, literally. Uh, he was born uh, early. He was born at 33 weeks. So we didn't get to watch a ton of the Super Bowl as, as that evening uh, went about. I remember watching a couple quarters and watching that last drive where Brady was strip sacked. So this year he turns one on uh, February 4th, which is exciting for us, obviously. And, and we have his party this weekend, but in between his party and his actual birthday, we get to watch the Super Bowl. So that'll be that'll be pretty cool. We're looking forward to it. But as far as the game goes, I'm fascinated by the matchup. I think it's going to be really exciting to watch McVay uh, and his exciting offensive schemes match up with what is a tough defense in New England and, and what Bill Belichick can do scheming in, in two weeks in preparation for for any opponent. So I think the game, in my opinion, the Rams have more overall talent. I think it will come down to who has uh, the more consistent showing um, quarterback play-wise. I think if if the Rams can take away New England's propensity to run the ball of late, if they can you know use that defensive line, Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and Dominican Sue, to take away the run game that New England has leaned on heavily in these two playoff wins so far and make Tom Brady find answers uh, over the middle of the field and driving the football downfield, I think that will make it really interesting for New England to be successful. If they can take away tight end play from Rob Gronkowski, the Rams have really struggled against opposing tight ends, and if they can find a way to take away the run, take away Gronkowski to an extent, could put themselves in a really advantageous defensive situation, which could you know lead to some turnovers by New England, because I think on the outside, Los Angeles has more talent cornerback position to to handle New England's receiver so I think New England obviously knows how important it will be for them to establish running the football and I look for them to try to do so pretty frequently as far as the offensive side of the ball goes you have a young quarterback in Jared Goff your hope is that Jared Goff can keep things together you know keep keep the turnovers at a minimum if he plays a clean game Sean McVay does a nice job of dialing up some schemes that can work for him again I do expect the Rams to win again they're more talented but New England is just that type of uh, you know franchise that has proven it over and over again, and it's really hard to count Tom Brady and Bo Belichick out. But uh, putting my official prediction out there, I think it ends up being a 24-21 win for the Rams. I think it will be an extremely close game. I do not think it will be in a shootout like we saw last year between New England and Philadelphia. But the, the the biggest thing that we hope for in this situation is just a good football game. We've been been watching all year the playoffs haven't given us too many overwhelmingly exciting games we did get two conference championship games that were fun to watch hopefully the Super Bowl provides us with that fun and it seems like Atlanta has has put together a really nice uh, situation and, and been able to handle the ice and the weather and all of that stuff so it uh, should be fun really looking forward to that game Baker Mayfield for the the Browns realm here it's been pretty quiet for the you know in the Browns corner of 
of the football world, and that's good because coming off of the Freddie Kitchens hire and all of that stuff, it is it is a welcome change. Uh, Baker Mayfield did Media Row this week. He uh, gave quite a few interviews yesterday, including with Brady Quinn and Jim Rome. And if you get a chance to look up any of those interviews on Twitter, I think you'll find that those gave some pretty good, insightful quotes about the dysfunction that led to the early struggles. And I thought Mayfield did a really nice job of being sort of introspective and giving his feelings on things. And he handles the media really well. It was, it was really fun listening to his take of being there the year before as he was going into the draft and the draft process and all of those things. You know, Heisman winners get that time uh, at the Super Bowl week to, to do some publicity stuff, and Mayfield did that. Now a year later, uh, coming off a, a, a record-setting rookie season, and just how he feels about all of that. It was really cool to listen to him, really cool to have him there representing the Browns. Obviously, there are two big awards coming out. The Pepsi uh, fan vote for Rookie of the Year is coming out. He is, he is right there with Saquon Barkley for that. That one should be fun to track. Uh, I think it comes out. Uh, today actually and then um, obviously Saturday is the official AP vote for rookie of the year so Mayfield's up and his only competition is really Saquon Barkley Nick Chubb is obviously up for those awards I don't expect Nick to win despite a phenomenal rookie season but it is something uh, that is cool that, that the Browns have two of their rookies up for that award and uh, should be fun to watch and hopefully Mayfield can come home with that award but if not it just gives him that chip on his shoulder that he talks about all the time and it'll uh, propel him into next season so if you guys, like I said, if you guys get a chance, take a look at that. On the OBR, I wrote about uh, Brown's running back's performance this year. So if you get a chance to look there, please do. Also wrote at cleveland.com about uh, Larry Ogunjobi's 2018 season. I think it's very insightful. I think it gives a look at some of his brilliant spurts he had this year. He's a really good uh, zero, one technique defensive tackle that the Browns will build around and uh, look to draft him some help up front. I think it'll be important. So you can find both of those, uh, like I said, at the OBR, also at cleveland.com. Uh, I want to talk to you guys real quick before we get to our guest about my pillow. I talked to you guys about them improving our sleep as we got our sample pillows. It's just been fantastic. Some of the best sleep I've had in a really long time, and I really attribute that to my pillow. So I'm offering you guys what we're getting here uh, through Blue Wire Podcast Network. So you can go to mypillow.com, click on the four pack special, enter the promo code COZY, C O Z Y. You guys will get two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. Such a great deal. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes in your sleep, guys. So if you get a chance, go to MyPillow.com. Again, click on their four-pack special. Shipping's free, absolutely free. No catches involved there. And don't forget, there's always the 60-day money-back guarantee. All right? So you can go to MyPillow.com, or you can call if that's your route to use, 800-966-1472. And remember, that's the promo code COZY, C-O-Z-Y. And just another reminder that that promo code can be used for any offer at mypillow.com so go to mypillow.com use that promo code c-o-z-y get the best night of sleep you guys have had in some time and that is through my pillow senior bowl happened last week guys so i want to give you as much insight into that process as possible the draft network and john ledyard are going to do that for us so we will look to get as much information as we can over the next few episodes about prospects coming up so let's shift over to our guest all right, guys. Big week last week with the Senior Bowl. Wanted to get some of the best voices in draft Twitter in on this uh, analysis pool, and I, I thought of nobody better to start off our coverage than John Ledyard of, of the Draft Network. John's the COO, okay, and the Senior NFL Draft Analyst at the Draft Network. John, how you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was uh, it was great for us to connect, and and obviously I followed along with what you guys are doing it at the draft network, but for anybody unfamiliar, John, you know, sort of lay out how, uh, as quickly as possible. I'm sure it's a sort of circoscious explanation process, but how did the draft network come together a little bit of year past and, and, uh, and what people can find over at the draft network? Absolutely. Yeah, it is 
sort of a long story, I guess, but I'll abbreviate it, obviously. But uh, Trevor Sikma and myself, uh, he's my co-host over at Locked On NFL Draft. Um, he, you know, we, we thought there's a, there's a need basically in the space for more NFL draft content, better NFL draft content, and you know, especially from a national perspective. And you know, lots of team sites and team things do it well for their team, but from a national perspective, when you're really just into the draft, you know, that part of it's super undervalued, I think, by the national media. And so, you know, that was kind of what we saw the numbers we were doing on Lockdown NFL Draft, and you know, the amount of interest that was out there, and people asking for more, and we wanted to kind of figure out a way to to give that to them, especially because it's a big passion of both of ours. So, um, you know, just kind of asked around and started meeting with people, talking with people, and eventually stumbled into our boss, J.C. Cornell, um, you know, who uh, has uh, a lot of a big interest in the draft and, you know, kind of has, has uh, funded the whole project and everything and uh, gotten it off the ground and uh, owns and operates it and everything. And so, you know, we've been kind of blessed for him, him giving us all the resources we need to be able to do things like live shows at the Senior Bowl and, you know, we're about to drop – uh, a new site on February 25th. The site basically just will be totally renovated and have a mock draft machine, a mock draft simulator, build your own big board application for users to use that are going to be super aesthetically pleasing and user friendly and that uh, developers work on those and just kind of every aspect of the NFL draft and what makes it so awesome and so fun. We kind of wanted to put into our site and, you know, on February 25th, I think we're going to be a huge step closer to that for sure. Um, but already, you know, lots of cool and exciting stuff on the site and unbelievable team with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino uh, full time as well. And then obviously Ben Solak and, and Brad Kelly doing unbelievable work too. Paige DeMarcos hosting out at the Senior Bowl and doing some un- unbelievable stuff for us behind the scenes. So the whole crew, I mean, it's just been an unbelievable blessing to work with that group. And we're really excited about what this draft and future drafts mean for TDN and for, you know, the space as a whole. Yeah, I, I can't quite uh, echo that enough for folks that are diehard draft people. I think we got a taste of it, at least over on the Brown side of things. The Browns have always loved the draft. It's been a sort of pseudo Super Bowl for, for us fans uh, you know, that, that are committed to things on the Brown side. So we got nice relief. But Brown's daily mock draft does a really nice experiment. He has the last three years. And I think people have, have come to understand that the draft, uh, at least the passion for the draft, is not as esoteric as – as many people have been led to believe, more people are interested in it. And that's why, you know, when I saw that you guys are putting out the tool for people to do their daily, their own uh, mock draft simulators and things like that, and it's just going to keep taking off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys aren't ready, are already following the Draft Network and what those guys are doing, I can't encourage you enough to to follow them, jump on their new site, like they said, as it comes out and it rolls out here in the next uh, few weeks or so. And, and, yeah, just get involved. And I think that they're doing a great job of, of cornering a market that, uh, more people are interested in than people think, and I think they're going to be in the forefront. So, and I, I guess that's enough kissing your butt. But I'm, I genuinely believe, <laughs> I genuinely believe you guys are doing something that is beneficial, and it's going to keep growing year after year. And um, that's why I think I, I'm, I'm most interested in the Senior Bowl. I, I haven't gotten down to the Senior Bowl. I wanted to go last year, but my son was born, um, you know, right around Super Bowl time, and he's about to turn one this year, and I couldn't go. But just give me a quick. Um, for for the fans, people that don't understand the Senior Bowl, the process. What makes the Senior Bowl? Jim Nagy took over this year. What makes it so unique, John? And what what gives you guys the edge as as talent evaluators throughout that week? I think one of the things is being able to see you know everything up close, but obviously have that like unparalleled access. Like we get to see um, you know you, even if you go to a game and you and you uh, you scout around and go to different stadiums and things like that during the college football season. You know, you're seeing from a, from a distance, you know, I think still what goes down and you're seeing a certain matchup, but 
here, you know, you get to see lots of different matchups, lots of different types of players pitted against each other, 1v1s, things like that. Um, you know, the game plan and the scheme and that kind of stuff's thrown out a little bit, and you're just seeing the individual talent, you know, what, what a player's made of, how they move, you know, how fast they are, athletic they are, how big they are. Uh, you get to see all those things up close, which is helpful, I think. For smaller school guys, it's really useful because you get to see them against better competition. Uh, that can be helpful from a skill set perspective, but also just athletically, size-wise, how do they match up, you know, how do they measure up in that way. And then, you know, the measurable portion is important. Obviously, we get a lot of that at the Combine for most of these guys, but, you know, that portion is important because it's kind of a jump start on evaluating some of those guys, you know, Drew Locke, nine-inch hands. Uh, everybody will be, uh, you know, talking about that if that he hits that number again at the Combine. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, uh, you know, those kind of things definitely are useful. Um, talking to the players, getting to, getting to talk to them, getting to talk to NFL evaluators who are there, uh, starting to get a feel for who they value and who they're excited about and who might be able to move up boards. And every year for the players' perspective, it, somebody takes a big jump from it. You know, somebody opened them. I remember Hassan Reddick a couple years ago. I mean, like, people were like, oh, you might be a day-two pick, you know, or something. Then he moved the linebacker, was great in coverage all week at linebacker, and the team took him in the top, what, 15 or 16 picks, I think mm-hmm. it was. Arizona took him in and obviously he hasn't lived up to that, but that's kind of the example of what the senior bowl can do for a player as a, he always stands out of my mind. But I mean, obviously the quarterback position, there's been a lot of, of that over the year. Josh Allen certainly improved every day. He was here and played well in the game. And given the fact that he had really weak tape and came from a smaller school, you know, I think that was a big part of his evaluation. And then you guys are obviously familiar with Baker Mayfield. And I mean, he was already kind of obviously a good player, I think. Uh, but here he just kind of every opportunity he had to meet with teams, he just continued to wow them with uh, his cerebral nature, but also his leadership. So that's a big part of it too, from the player's perspective, you get to meet with teams, you get to start to be, you know, first on teams radar in a lot of situations, they kind of evaluate and feel out. And if you impress them, they want to meet with you again at the combine and they make you a priority there. And all of a sudden they're invested in you and it's harder for a team to admit a mistake, even if you are bad. So I think that's a part of it for, for the players is that becomes a big, that interview sitting down with teams part becomes a big part of the process as well. Yeah. I think that fans probably, at least the common fan don't understand how important that week is for so many players, not the biggest names on the board necessarily. Sometimes, like you said, John Baker Mayfield types, they show up there, but uh, you know, those players getting a chance to jump and take that jump and display their, their ability, such as, you know, Larry Ogunjobi Browns fans are familiar with, uh, you know, took his jump a few years back there and, uh, it's in, it's interesting, and that kind of segues where I want to go with is is big names, not necessarily names that the Browns might be interested in, but just who were your biggest winners at the at the Senior Bowl uh, this past week? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of different ones. I mean, a wide receiver and offensive line are the first two positions I gravitate towards, and I know that might not be the first round priority for the Browns, but you know, at wide receiver, I just think a lot of guys really impressed me, and it may be. Maybe may mean that there are later picks, you know, not, not first-round picks necessarily. I don't know that you'll see a first-round wide receiver out of the group that was in Mobile, but Debo Samuel, certainly I thought he had a little more down tape this past season in South Carolina than he had had uh, previously in his career. I thought he was more impressive in years prior to this, but toward the end of the season, started to come on again, and I thought it was unbelievable in Mobile. I mean, just the quickness, the ability to separate the releases, uh, the route breaks, uh, he really just, he was he was awesome throughout the week. You could make an argument uh, that he was the best player there this week, uh, that this past week. And then um, I think guys like Terry McLaurin, you know, kind of put himself in the top 100 conversation. Andy Isabella continued to show. I know some people were frustrated with some of the, some of the footwork with Andy Isabella and him being a little bit, uh, you know, too many steps in his route breaks and things like that. And I think that's 
kind of fair and warranted, but at the same time, you know, this guy trying to transition and play a lot in the slot. And I think that when you watched him, all the explosive traits to separate are there. That's what you really want. And even throughout the week, he kind of got a little more efficient with his footwork and uh, didn't waste as many steps and was quicker out of breaks. And then in the game played really, really well. Um, he's a sneak, he, he is, he's a good player. I think, um, you know, he is going to do some things after the catch and, and break some tackles just because his burst eliminates kind of the ability to put a good hit on him. Um, I think he's going to be a really, a really nice player for a team in the NFL. I don't not not like a true number one or anything like that, but he's going to be a nice player for a team in the NFL, but he stood out throughout the week. I like Jacoby Myers, the wide receiver from NC state. Uh, there was so Gary Jennings, the wide receiver from WVU. Um, so there were a bunch of wide receivers that kind of put themselves on the radar, which was exciting to see because it's already a good class. And now there are a couple more names added to the mix. I think the depth at that position is going to be pretty incredible uh, in this class. Uh, and then I think also offensive line, you know, I mean, Garrett Bradbury kind of solidified Chris Lindstrom kind of solidified the fact that those two guys are, are top guys, I think, on the interior offensive line. But Eric McCoy from Texas A&M also stood out to me. Uh, he had a really strong week. Uh, tackle Don Reisner was impressive. He still may be a guard or center in the NFL, but he really he played right tackle great on tape, and he played a great uh, at the Senior Bowl. So, and in the game especially, shut down Montez Sweat. So, uh, I think he was he was impressive and deserves a shot to play offensive tackle. And you know, Chumai Doga too, another offensive tackle from mm-hmm. USC, uh, was impressive as well. So, I think all those guys played well. Those were the two most impressive position groups there, in my opinion. Uh, you certainly had other winners at other positions. I think Charles Amenehu from Texas, especially with his performance in the game, um, he really stood out. Uh, I thought he was better than Montez Sweat all week long. Um, I don't think he was as big a name going in, so it took the mainstream media a little while to catch up with that. But his performance in the game when Sweat was getting kind of shut out, um, I thought really kind of solidified just how good a week he had and how much how impressive he is as a player. I think he's going to be a riser for a lot of people. Um, and uh, I think the Sierra Adderley, you know, in man coverage, he wasn't amazing, the Delaware safety, but uh, mm-hmm. when they put him in zone, allowed him to play deep and things like that, and even matched him up with tight ends, that was when he really showed him. And I'm not really expecting a safety who didn't play in man coverage hardly at all in the last two years to come in and, and step to slot receivers and be able to match up with those guys in space and 1v1s. You know, that's just not realistic in my opinion. But uh, what he was asked to do, things that, he, that he's good at, that he showed on tape he's good at, uh, I think he was really impressive. So uh, those are some of the guys. There were more, too, but those are some of the guys that stood out to me. Yeah, you hit on three spots I think Browns fans know that they have to improve upon, which is which is uh, offensive tackle. At some point in this draft, they need to find a defensive lineman, whether that's an edge or an interior guy. Some would argue that the interior need is is pretty drastic. And then you touched on wide receiver names as well, such as Debo Samuel. I'll ask you, John, you've done, you know, uh, several mock drafts leading up to this point. They're constantly evolving. Uh, most fans usually understand that those things change as test results come in and all that stuff happens. Browns pick 17. You, Your most recent mock, where do you have the Browns going? And then kind of a two-part off of that, uh, where do you think they end up settling? Uh, it's so, you know, where who do you think is like, let me put it this way. Who's the ideal name for them to get at 17? Yeah, good question. Actually, I'm trying to remember my last mock draft. I'll pull it up here because it was a couple of weeks ago, but I think they had them taking a corner maybe. That seems right in my mind, but maybe not. Yeah, um, Byron that, Murphy that name position, keeps getting connected. Yep. Was it? Yeah, okay. I was going to say that's what I thought it was Murphy, but yeah, he, he is probably one of the players that I think uh, makes a lot of sense for, for Cleveland for sure. I mean, he is. He's physical and aggressive, uh, and he plays the ball really well from off and zone coverage. I really am intrigued by him. I, and he has the ability to press, too. I don't know whether it all would be ideal for him, but I think you have some 
inside outside versatility with him. You already kind of have that with Ward, I think, but um, I, I am, I'm excited about Murphy at the NFL level. I, there's a good chance he's the best cornerback in this class on my board when it's all said and done. Um, he's one name. Uh, I think Christian Wilkins is another one that's often thrown around uh, in the direction of Cleveland. You know, to me, I think that those are the two positions. Um, you can certainly argue interior defensive line is one of the deepest positions in the NFL. You already have a playmaker in Ogan Joby. You know, it might not be worth it to invest a first-round pick for, you know, in a guy like that. But um, And maybe that's the case. Maybe Cleveland is able to dip into free agency and get enough, you know, strength there to where they're okay. But, you know, for me, I want as many difference makers in the front line as humanly possible. Uh, and I think they have obviously one in Mouth Garrett, one that's coming along in Larry Ogan Joby. Um, and I think you, I I love Gennard Avery and think he's going to be a real big, good player for them. So, mm-hmm. If you think about all that, you know, when you think about adding another interior defensive lineman to that group, you truly could have a terrifying front uh, defensively. And for every team, basically, other than New England, that's been successful the last couple of years, that has been kind of a key to that success is becoming re- uh, really talented on the front line, you know, especially on the interior on the edge, obviously. And so I think that that's a that's a big step for Cleveland if they don't solve in free agency. So um, I like to see them target that position, but certainly. I don't think they'd be holding just to addressing one position. Um, I think corners definitely on the radar as well in that, in that spot in the draft. I tend to think wide receiver gets addressed later. I tend to think offensive tackle isn't a huge priority in their mind. Um, but if the board falls in a certain way, there are a lot of good tackles in this class, so I wouldn't totally take it off the board in the minds of Browns fans anyway. I'd keep, your, keep yourselves open to that just in case because it is a pretty good tackle class. Uh, there's a lot of players with, uh, with a lot of talent. Uh, that'll be on the board. Certainly in need of some development, but I think the Browns aren't afraid to take guys like that and try and develop them the rest of the way. So um, if that if that's the case and the board falls in a certain way that they can't get out of that spot and an offensive tackle sitting there, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they did end up going in that direction as well. Yeah, I know I know, uh, I know a lot of Browns fans have this, this sort of pipe dream about Ed Oliver. Does Ed Oliver make it past the top 10? Does he make it to 17, or is that crazy talk? I don't, I don't think it's crazy talk. You know, it's possible. The NFL's wild, man. I mean, he is going to probably wait. I mean, he, I know he was 274. I know Lance Eli was talking about that the other day, but yeah, I've known that he was 274 in the season. Now, I don't know, you know, he could be 280 by the combine. And, you know, what, you know, at, at that point, you know, six pounds seems ridiculous, but we're probably not really worried about it at 280. You know, <laughs> um, you could argue whether we should be worried about it at 274, but, uh, he's definitely an interior defensive lineman. I, you know, I push back against anybody trying to change in positions, but uh, I do think they'll be concerned. Yeah, I mean, coming from the if he had played in Power Five, I don't think there would be. But coming from the AAC, you know, it's just, he hardly played anybody that was good. Uh, you know, he just in terms of offensive lines, you know, you could argue certain positions there aren't as big a drop off, but one of them where there's a huge drop off is offensive line play from even from Power Five conferences to, to other Power Five conferences. There's a match massive drop off. In offensive line play. So just imagine when you get outside of the power five, it is a big drop off. So there are definite questions. It is okay to be concerned with that all of size. Uh, it is okay to be concerned with his weight and his transition from playing that position. You just got to accept the fact that this is an elite athlete. We are talking about just a good athlete for interior defense line. We're talking about an elite one who also plays with good technique and leverage in the run game, good hand usage. He has, he has room to grow, no doubt. As a pass rusher, he has room to grow. I don't think there's any question there. But this is a really good football player, and he's definitely an interior defensive lineman, and his ceiling is sky high. And as long as you know the character stuff checks out, which 
I think it will, and I think it has, even as teams have looked more into the little incidents from this year. Um, I think this guy's going to be a, a real stud and a real difference maker in the NFL, and, and I'm not going to overthink that. There's some risk involved, but that's the draft, man. Like, that's the way that it is. So if he were to fall, I mean, obviously, that's the obvious choice. And not only does it make a ton of sense, it's a great fit, but you can't pass up on talent like that if you're Cleveland with the way your roster's hitting right now. Um, you don't have, like, a crying, screaming need, per se. Um, man, you have to take a risk on somebody like that that could fill a position of need and be an amazing impact player in addition to that defense. Yeah, absolutely fantastic points, John. I think Ed Oliver is sort of that that name that Browns fans are hoping can slide. I'm not sure if it happens. I think it might just be buzz. But if it does and they have the opportunity to move up even a few spots to get him, it would be really neat to see them be aggressive for a change instead of being the passive team that we've come to know over the past five years. And maybe John Dorsey does that. So, I mean, just fantastic stuff from John. I could I could ask him 100 questions, but he's a busy man. This is his sixth Brown show in the last week. I'm lucky he came on. Um, <laughs> you guys can follow John at Ledyard NFL Draft. That's LED. Y A R D NFL draft on Twitter. I'm sure most of you guys are following him. If you're not, rectify it, guys. John, buddy, thanks for coming on tonight, taking some time for us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yep, absolutely, John. So, guys, uh, usual stuff at the end of these things. Follow along on iTunes, subscribe, like, leave a comment if you can. Those things always help us. The YouTube channel, we're going to get into some prospects at some point. I promise you, life is busy. My son turns one. After that all slows down, we'll get to as many of those prospects as we can to give you some breakdowns. But until then, we will uh, wrap up this week. We'll come back next week with another guest. As usual, guys, if you can, please, again, subscribe, like, and share. Until then, go Browns.